This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I have our head coach, Vanessa, on with me. We are chatting with Sarah Roof, who is one of our clients. She is also Miss North Carolina, and we really dive into some fitness and nutrition myths, especially in the beauty world. And for those of you that aren't in the beauty world, maybe myths that you believe about women that are in the beauty world and how they look the way that they do. So this is a really awesome conversation. I really enjoyed recording this. Um, Sarah is just phenomenal. And I also always love having Vanessa on with me. Now, I do want to remind you guys about our 12-week challenge. I'm so excited to be bringing this to you all. Honestly, I'm I'm actually still working on creating some of the content for the, the challenge. And as I'm doing it, I'm just like, this is freaking unreal. Like I'm very, very, very proud of it. And we're talking about here whole access to our brand new course, the Metabolism and Macros Makeover, which is phenomenal. So I have gone into depth on everything. So we're talking about metabolism. We're talking about reverse dieting, getting your period back, optimizing your gut health, mindset, nutrition, training, the lot. There are handouts, there are worksheets. It's really phenomenal and I can genuinely say I'm very proud of it. So I can't wait to reveal that all to my 12-week challenges. So please jump on that. We only have a small amount of time for you to be able to register. If you have any questions whatsoever, please just reach out. Be more than happy to answer those for you. Send me an email or you can send me a DM on Instagram. That's probably the best place to catch me on. So with that out of the way, let's get stuck in to today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's episode, I have two special guests with me, head coach Vanessa and our incredible client, Sarah Roof. Hello and welcome, ladies. Hi. Hello. How are we both going today? Good. How are you? I am very good. I'm a little bit sleep deprived. We are filming or we're recording on a Friday morning and it's your Thursday evening. And by Fridays, it's usually, you know, it's been a big week and I'm feeling it. So I'm excited for the weekend, but I'm also very excited about our conversation. So the reason I've got both of you on today is uh, Coach Vanessa, you were Sarah's coach um, and you are Sarah's coach um, and have been just done an incredible job with her. And what we really want to focus on today is busting some myths that women believe about the health and fitness industry. But before we dive into that, Vanessa, I'm going to hand it over to you and I want you to give a little bit of an overview of what your experience has been like working with Sarah. Um, And then Sarah, I'll hand it over to you and we can have a chat about where you're at the moment. For sure. Absolutely. First of all, it's been such a pleasure, pleasure coaching Sarah. I absolutely love coaching her. We've been working together for a good amount of time now. And I remember on our onboarding call, I was telling her like, it was so cool to talk to her and like her influence in the industry 
And I was actually a little intimidated. I remember getting on our onboarding call. I remember specifically because it had said like Miss North Carolina, I was like, wow, like that's cool. Um, and I remember telling her that and we've worked together for a while now. And I remember when she had come to me, she was in, you know, an unfortunate circumstance with where her calories were at and where her cardio was at and like the preconceived notions that she had about fitness and what she had to be doing in order to achieve the look that she needed for her specific career and what she wanted to achieve. Right. So when I had talked to her and I kind of explained what we were going to do, where bring her calories up and doing all these things. I remember like, she was so great. She was like, I totally trust you guys. Like it was like, I I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And we were able to get her calories up a lot. We were able to really focus on strength training, flexibility, relationship with food, all these things, which I'm so proud of the way that she's handled it and how far she's come. And it's been such a great experience um, for me to just coach her and take her through that process. So it's been really, really rewarding for me as a coach um, and just getting to know her as a person. She's lovely. So it's been really, really cool. Yeah, Sarah is really terrifying. Um, <laughs> so scary. I think, uh, so <laughs> hardly, I'm being very sarcastic here. Uh, she's about the kindest person I think any of us have ever met. She's just wonderful. And um, what I love about you, Sarah, and exactly, I'm just echoing what you've said, Vanessa, is that when you need to make a change in the situation, what you've been doing currently isn't working. You do need to have a bit of trust in the process and that can be really scary. And a lot of women can find that difficult to let go of and to just hand over control to somebody else. That can feel really terrifying. However, if you don't do that, you know, you risk the fact that you're never going to change. And Sarah, you did the hard stuff and you put your trust in Coach Vanessa, which you should. She's absolutely incredible. And you're in such a better position um, now than when you first came to us. And everyone's, I've had you on the podcast before and we've shared your story, but for all of those new listeners, do you want to give us a really quick wrap up of your situation, where you were and where you are now? Sure. And yes, plug for for our first podcast together. If you want to go listen to that. That was a fun chat. Uh, So like Vanessa said, I'm in the pageant world. I have been for close to a decade since I was in high school and, you know, of course have heard it all when it comes to myths and quick fixes and pressure and fear mongering, especially in the beauty industry that can be really uh, toxic. And, you know, I was an exercise science major. I work in the medical field. I consider myself to be pretty educated as it relates to health, but you know, when it comes to your personal health, I think you start to let yourself be influenced by negative talk, by a deadline, by wanting to look a certain way, and you're willing to kind of make compromises with you with what you know to be true for the sake of accomplishing a goal. So I had started working with a trainer who, you know, had really great results on social media. We all know and have seen before on social media, these before and afters and, you know, quick fixes and promises to do something different. No, this is for your goals. So I had kind of fallen victim to that uh, mentality and started working with a trainer who encouraged cardio only lightweights only don't use your hip flexors because your hip measurements are going to go up. Don't use weights on your upper body because your upper body is going to get huge and, you know, be as tiny as possible and don't eat carbs after three o'clock. And it just got to the point where I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm in a tailspin. I'm not getting the results I want. In fact, I feel worse than I did before I started. And I still am not hitting my goals, my physique goals or my mental and physical health goals that I have. 
because that's the most important thing beyond above and beyond any any visual goal is mental and physical health goals. So I started to see those things declining and I knew I needed to make a change. That's when I reached out to you all. That's when I started working with Vanessa. And, you know, I'll be honest, it, it was intimidating. I was intimidated too. I guess we were all intimidated because, <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, do I really want to put my trust into someone else when I am a self-proclaimed control freak? You know, I'm a little bit controlling. And also because it's gone wrong before. So uh, fortunately, I really believe in what you all do. And, and I really appreciate the science behind the, the approach that Girlfoot Method has and how every, everything that you ask me to do is backed by science and is backed by holistic health, not just a visual goal or a body uh, physique composition type goal. So that was what really drew me to you all. And, and that trust, placing that trust in you, uh, it really paid off. I feel like I'm in a really great place. I feel so much healthier. I have more energy and I'm seeing muscle definition in places I've never seen before. So that's also exciting too, because you're seeing the results of your hard work, you know, in your strength and in your personal, you know, physique. So all in all, very happy to have made that decision. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> Love it. We're, we're super proud of you. And just harping on about, you know, even you having this background of education in health and fitness, you still fell victim to a lot of lies really in the industry. And what I was just thinking back around what you were told to do, and it's really boring and unsexy to promote consistency, adherence, uh, patience, lifting weights, eating the right amount of food. That's boring. No one wants to really do that because all of that actually takes willpower. It takes, it takes hard work. You can't get that quick fix. Where if I was to tell you the reason you haven't achieved your health and fitness goals is because of X is because you are eating carbs after 3 PM. Then you can go, Oh, okay, well, I'm just going to be able to cut out those carbs after 3 PM. And that's going to fix everything when really it won't. And unfortunately, it's much easier to sell that than it is to actually sell the truth. And that's really what we want to dive into today, because there is a lot of misinformation out there around, you know, what women should be doing in regards to fitness, nutrition, that is just completely incorrect, but maybe, maybe sounds like there's some validity behind it. And coming from someone that is in the world where people are you know, in your industry, it's, it's not all about the exterior, but the exterior does play a really, really important role, a really big role. And um, you may have access to the most quote unquote successful trainers in which you felt like you did. You were working with someone that was working with a, a lot of women in the pageant world, but was actually a bit of a fraud, right? Well, and yes. a big fraud. <laughs> yeah. Literally a fraud in jail. <laughs> So it can happen to anybody and um, it's really important to be educated and empowered. And that's what we do here at Girlfoot Method. That's why we're so big on that is that we want to be able to educate you for you to be able to make decisions for yourself that are going to last a lifetime. Um, so let's dive into some myths. Now, I'm going to kick it off, first of all, with you, Sarah, being in the beauty industry and a question I get, and I'm going to ask you about this, a question I get a lot is models and anyone that is in that sort of beauty industry tends to believe that 
in order to look that way, you need to be doing exercises such as, you know, low weight for higher reps, a lot of Pilates, yoga, and bar. Now, all of that is actually not bad, right? So even in the, the programming that we put in for our girls' workouts, we definitely include some lower weight, higher reps, and that works our endurance, right? And so we always want to work all of our different energy systems. That's not a bad thing. Pilates, I'm a big fan of Pilates. Yoga, I'm a big fan of yoga as well. Now, all of these things have their place, but when it comes to being the answer to the way that your body looks, it's just completely incorrect. Um, So can you speak to that and that belief um, from maybe your peers and what you've seen? Yeah, and I sometimes sometimes feel like, these two kind of camps are at odds, right? We have sometimes the camp that's like weight training, progressive overload. This is the way to go. Lift heavier, continue to push towards higher goals. And then you have this other camp that's like, you know, Pilates only, you're a female, the feminine form is best for low weight, high rep, or, you know, lift tone burn bar workouts. And I think the worst part of this is that two theories are at odds, right? We don't have to have one without the other. You can have strength training with mobility and flexibility. You can have you know, yoga for your mental health and also incorporate strength training. Just like you said, it it doesn't have to be an all or nothing mutually exclusive approach. So I think the biggest reason why people tend to go towards those Pilates bar, low weight, high rep, you know, cardio type workouts is because they are under the misconception that that's like a feminine type of workout to do. And it's best for the feminine form because heavy weights are going to make us look bulky and masculine. And in the beauty industry, that's the last thing we want. We want to have a feminine form. So I think that's where the misconception comes from, but I want to make sure as a title holder and someone who, you know, advocates for fitness, you don't have to have one without the other, right? You can, you can do all of these things and still live a healthy lifestyle and, and progress towards your goals, whatever they might be. 100%. And let's just quickly touch on what you did speak about around Pilates yoga, giving you more of a feminine look. And this is the main reason I believe women are drawn to those forms of exercises because they usually look at the instructors. They will Mm -hmm. always think of a yoga and a Pilates instructor as being long and lean, right? (laughs) They will think about someone that lifts weights as being like in their mind. And I think these women look phenomenal, by the way. But what Mm -hmm. comes to their mind is a woman that's like an elite CrossFit athlete who has a lot of muscle on her. And the funny thing is, is both of those extremes, a lot of that comes down to genetics. Yes, it comes down to hard work, 100% comes down to nutrition, but ultimately it comes down to genetics. Now, Mm -hmm. and I don't like to use myself as an excuse, but this is a prime example of somebody's genetic capability, right? So if I had, if I was up against someone that had the genetics to be able to become a really successful power lifter or to be a really successful CrossFit CrossFit athlete, which I envy. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I don't have that, right? I just don't have that. I always say I have limbs everywhere. I'm just long-limbed and I'm lanky, right? That's just my build. Been like that since day dot. I look at my little one, Sonny, and he's the same. He has long, skinny limbs. We're just that way, right? So genetically, I'm probably, I can work super hard, but my genetics are going to cap me. I'm never really going to look like that extreme CrossFit athlete, even if I do exactly the same things as she does. Now, what I could probably do is more so look like that Pilates instructor, right? I've already got those long limbs. I can't grow longer, leaner limbs by doing Pilates. It's just Mm -hmm. genetics. It's my body. 
And this is where women need to understand that you need to work within your own genetics. Now, for some of you, absolutely, you're going to be able to build muscle easier. You're going to have the genetics to be able to get stronger easier than me probably, right? (laughs) And then for some of you, you're going to be able to, um, you know, maybe the way that you're built means that you're going to more so look like a quote unquote Pilates instructor. And this is what frustrates me about our industry is that a lot of these lies They're lies that are sold to you. And it's really easy to look at someone and think, okay, well, they exercise that way. That's how I should exercise because I'm going to look like that. And that's just not the case. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think you made a great point, Sarah, about like, you know, Pilates being very feminine and wanting to look like that lean tone. Like, I think that speaks volumes because a lot of times, unfortunately, people think about, you know, lifting weights and they think of like, you know, men, and they think about that men belong in the weight room and that that's how you get bulky muscles and stuff like that, which you guys just touched on. But I think that's a great point. And like, like you guys said, I think there's a time and place for whatever exercise you enjoy Pilates, yoga. I have a lot of clients that do both of those because they love them, not because they know they think it's going to make them look a certain way because I've educated them on that, but more so that they just enjoy it. And I think that's a different case than doing it to look a certain way. So entirely. Totally agree. Totally agree. I want to move into intermittent fasting or fasting as well. And um, using that as a strategy to drop weight quickly and Mm -hmm. how detrimental that can be. I think especially um, in your industry, Sarah, but we even see it as well, Vanessa, you know, if girls have got like some kind of a event coming up, then trying to drastically cut calories in time for it because they haven't left enough time. And we always try and say the goal that you're wanting to achieve, it's going to take longer than what you think. So always allow yourself additional time for things like falling ill or anything unexpected that life throws at you. So have you experienced or have your peers experienced trying to use this method and how's it gone down for them? Yes, all the time. And people will ask me about it because they know I have a health background. They know that my platform is get fit with the crown and I post about health and fitness. Um, So people will say like, especially I'll see fasting during the week of an event Like I'm only going to eat during this small time window. And then the day of my event, I'm not going to eat anything at all because I just want to look lean. I want to look my best. And that is the quickest way to have brain fog, to be in a terrible mood, to have no energy for the actual event. You know, for me, pageants can be up to 12 to 14 days that you're on a location competing and and you're in rehearsals and it's grueling and it's physically challenging. And, you know, there are other events like weddings that, you know, you're gone for a week, you know what I mean? So being in that deep of a calorie deficit for that long, unfortunately, yes, I do see it quite a bit, but the only thing I see from it is that people are not their best selves because of it. And so at what cost are you trying to look a half a centimeter leaner because you didn't eat anything for three days? You know what I mean? And what even kind of difference are you seeing? Probably not much of anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bang on with all those points. And I'm also going to add something in there is that what we've seen, Vanessa, I'm going to hand this over to you in a second. Whenever that happens after that event, usually when you have restricted that much, that has a real negative psychological 
effect on your brain and the way that you think about food because you've malnourished yourself for a period of time and you're starving, right? And the body just goes, okay, we need more calories, we need more food. This is exactly how women get into that binge restrict cycle or even actually develop eating disorders. It's, it's really not something you want to mess with. All that's going to happen if you use that method, you are going to get to a point where you can't sustain that. So let's just say you've really restricted calories for the week, right? To be able to, you know, for a certain event that you've got, you're going to binge. <laughs> I'm like, would put, I would put money on it that you are going to overeat and binge yes. once that's over. And then what happens? Because you've really mess with your metabolism there's the real potential there you're going to be gaining you're actually going to be gaining fat and then what happens is you feel terrible about yourself you feel incredibly guilty which you shouldn't but you will feel that way you feel like you failed then what happens okay well I, this negative self-talk in my mind and then what I need to do is go back to restricting and then what happens again and it's this vicious vicious cycle Vanessa yeah a hundred percent I was going to touch on that as well like once you've restricted for that period of time, your body's like, I need calories. Like it's, it's not a quote unquote lack of discipline or any of these crazy things. It is your body, like trying to fight to keep you alive. Your body's a lot smarter than you think. And if you're restricting those calories, it is going to make up for them by being like, Hey, we need, we need to eat. And like, it's going to cause you to overeat. Right. So I think speaking of that, that's how you can get into a really, really nasty cycle. Um, that is that restricted binge cycle. And it's a really hard cycle to get out of once you're in it. It's a very, very challenging cycle. Yeah. Like that, said, sorry. I was just going to say, like you said that it always, almost always is followed with a binge. Like I'm going to reward myself for this behavior by eating any kind of junk food I can get my hands on or truly your body is just craving and begging for any kind of calories that you can find quickly and ingest so that you can return back to some type of homeostasis. So, and in my industry, I see quite a bit of that fasting, restricting binge cycle. Now I'm even more behind on my goals than I was when I started because of this, this cycle that, that we're on and it is really unhealthy and dangerous. Absolutely. And there's that psychological hunger aspect. Sometimes you can feel like you're eating, not because you're actually physically hungry. Your stomach's not grumbling, but you have this psychological need to eat food, this food focus. And that comes when you actually severely restrict your food. Think about it. Your body just wants to see you thriving and surviving. And when you're treating it that way, it's, it's fearful. Okay, well, I don't know when I'm going to get calories again. So when we see all of this delicious food around us, your mind is going to be drawn to that and you are going to feel super out of control. It's a very horrible place to be in and really getting into bad habits like that and really cutting back your calories is only going to lead. Actually, it's going to set you back further than what you think it's going to do. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that is a really, really, really big one. I want to touch as well on, um, so Sarah, you were, you were mentioning that you've seen that people are working out in extreme heat to yes. be able to i'm assuming and i have heard of this as well where it's almost like um i guess it's like bikram yoga like hot yoga but i know that that's more so to help with mobility but it's this idea that you work out in in extreme heat because you sweat more and then therefore you burn more fat yeah 
Mm -hmm. Yep. It's very popular near me. They're cropping up everywhere. And it's actually why I initially texted you guys and was like, we have to do a podcast. I'm so mad because I was listening to a podcast where they were promoting this. And they're like, I put on this big heat jacket and I get on my bicycle and I go for 20 minutes and once a week and I've never looked better. And I'm thinking like, but how do you feel? And also, how do you possibly look better working out 20 minutes a week on a bicycle with a heat cloak on, whatever the heck that is? Because <laughs> that sounds miserable to me. I, I don't like to be hot. I don't like to be hot when I work out. And so thinking about being in a 97 degree room, like doing a HIIT workout just sounds really miserable to me. And it's almost like at what cost? You know what I mean? Um, and I know that there are many things that we could equate to that. At what cost do we want to achieve this goal? But that to me just sounded so extreme. And the fact that it's becoming more trendy and celebrities are endorsing it, people in the beauty industry are endorsing it. It's just dangerous. And I wanted to myth bust that because I was walking on my treadmill listening to this, like, oh my God, I cannot believe that they would do this to people. <laughs> oh, can I just make a public service announcement? Just be mindful that celebrities get paid to endorse these things. That does not mean that it's any good. For example, I had someone reached out to me on Instagram the other day that asked me about a particular product that was uh, that measured your metabolism. And I thought, oh, I haven't actually seen that before. But then that actual product reached out to me and said, would you like to endorse it? And I went and had a look and you should see the celebrities. I mean, they're obviously looking at micro influencers, but they've got big celebrities backing this. And my mind was blown. I was like, what a sellout. It is such a sellout. People are so money driven. Now let's talk about sweating and exercise. I'm sorry, but all that, when you're sweating, the only reason your body is sweating is to cool down your body temperature. That has nothing to do with you burning more fat, like literally nothing. The mechanism of sweat is your body recognizing, oh, okay, my body temperature is getting too high. If it continues to increase, I'll overheat, right? And that's not going to end well. So we need to sweat in order to cool down that core body temperature. And it has literally nothing to do with burning more fat. Vanessa. That's insane. <laughs> I've never heard of that until just now. You guys can see my face. I've literally never heard of that until just now. Like that is absolutely nuts. And way past like the calorie burn of it and like looking a certain way, the health issues with that, like dehydration, like how are people not passing out in this class? Like if you're yeah. putting on this heat cloak, whatever jacket, and then you're going and like going absolutely insane on this bike, like that is, that is not healthy exercise. And it's also just not necessary. Like you said, like you're not burning hundreds of more calories because of being hotter. Like <laughs> that's, that's just, wow. I've never heard that. That's definitely crazy, but Again, not necessary at all. No. no, and like once again, it's so much easier to sell that than it is progressive overload and just lifting a little bit heavier weights next week and maybe really making sure you're hitting your steps. These things are boring. People don't want to hear these things because they're not exciting. The, the more extreme, the more alluring. And unfortunately, you can really monetize on that in our industry and then you just throw in the mix people of influence celebrities and then you've just got this storm of just the perfect storm to suck people in but we always need to go back and look at the science and 
really understand that, you know, is someone here just trying to make money and exploit me? Or is there actual science to back this up? Usually there's not a whole lot of science to back things up because the basics work. They've worked year in, year out for so long. But people don't want to hear that because it takes patience, consistency and adherence. Um, So I'm going to wrap up this podcast conversation. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice as I'm talking. But before we go, um, excuse me, sorry. Maybe I'm getting the spicy flu. <clears throat> Who knows? Yeah. Oh, It'd be around too. I hope not. Oh my goodness. Um, I do have a listener question and I'm going to answer it, but I'd love both of you to pipe in and uh, give your opinions as well. So this is the question here. I am just going to shout out. Let's see if we have her Instagram handle. Yes. Oh, golly gosh. This is a long one. Mm, how am I going to pronounce it? Okay. I think your name is Alia. I hope I have pronounced that correct, Alia. Or Luna? Golly gosh, I hope I have. All right. So her question, how do you know when your body is is ready to re-enter a deficit after a long period of restricting? Obviously, it's different between people, but I've heard the recommended amount of time at maintenance is at least twice the amount that you were in a deficit. Is that true? Vanessa, Hmm. I'm going to hand that over to you. I think that's a really good rule of thumb, just like for the general population of like, yeah, as long as you were in a deficit, you probably want to spend at least that time, double that time would be great in a, um, before you go into a deficit. Um, but there are some things that you can look for in terms of data that like, Hey, maybe you're kind of ready to go back into a deficit. So one, I always look for it within my own clients relationship with food. I think that's a massive one that's often overlooked. If you're thinking about food in between meals, if your hunger cues are still a little bit off, um, things like that. If you have food fears, if you're in a binge restrict cycle, any of those things, huge red flags that you're probably not ready for a deficit and that there might be a little bit more work to be done in the maintenance area um, before you go ahead and do that. And also things like measurements, scale weight, strength, sleep, stress, digestion. I could go on and on about all of the ways that you can look at kind of when you're ready to get back into a deficit. But I think something I just want to touch on super quick is most of the magic really does happen when you are at maintenance and that's where most of your progress is going to, you know, happen. So hundred percent. Most women should be living their life at maintenance. You shouldn't be trying to live in a calorie deficit. And you're right. That's usually like a good rule of thumb is twice the amount of time you spent in a deficit, but the majority of women just like chronically under eat. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, if you've been chronically under eating for four years, you need to eat at maintenance for eight years? Well, not necessarily, but you're right, Vanessa, you need to look at those markers and those health markers and go, Hey, where am I at here? Also, it does take, it takes patience. I would be saying if you've chronically under eaten, really your goal is about 12 months at maintenance. Stay at maintenance for 12 months because if you do that and you do it the right way, you can so easily go into a calorie deficit and lose fat, eating a good amount of food and you're setting yourself up for long-term success. Sarah, for someone whose goal is fat loss and they've been under eating and they need to spend some time eating more food, I know that can be really an uncomfortable experience. Do you have some words of wisdom to share? Yes, I would say play the long game because deficit is not the long game goal. Like you said, you should, you should not live your life in a deficit. It's not good for you holistically. Um, So it's going to be longer from a client perspective than you probably want to hear. Right. But the benefit of living in maintenance is 
that you are giving your body the opportunity to rebuild. You're giving your body the opportunity to rebuild its metabolism, to rebuild muscle, to uh, reconfigure itself so that it can be the best possible machine to hold you and to make you the strongest, best, most present person. So for any frustration or disappointment that might come from saying, yeah, we need to hold off, comes all of the benefits of living in maintenance and creating a, a body that is most optimal for your performance and your well-being. I love that, Sarah. I love that. And uh, I'm also just going to challenge this sister and anybody else that resonates with this situation to look at this as a challenge, to be okay with the uncomfortable and stepping out of your comfort zone and leaning into that and just really understanding that that's where growth happens. It doesn't happen where you feel comfortable. It's where you feel uncomfortable and set yourself goals that are not necessarily aesthetic. So love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've loved this conversation and we will definitely have to do a round three. Yes, absolutely. I'm game. (laughs) Wonderful. So where can we find you if anyone wants to find you on social media? Um, Sarah, let us know what your handles are. Yes, for two more weeks. No, now one more week. It is at Miss NC for America. The next queen will be uh, crowned next week. And for the long haul at Sarah A. Roof. You can find me there. That's my personal handle. Love it. Love it. And you know where to find myself and Vanessa, your handle is Vanessa Silva fit with two T's. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Thanks so much, ladies. What an incredible conversation. I literally had a list of myths that we were wanting to bust. There are so many topics when it comes to the health and fitness industry that women believe that are just so incorrect. So I hope this has cleared up some confusion for you all. If you have enjoyed today's podcast episode, please do take a screenshot of it, share it onto your story, send me a DM, leave a rating, leave a review. You know, I will love you for it. All right, that is it from me, guys. Big love, Coach Tash.